Hello everyone and welcome back to A Pipe With Peter, an informative and somewhat comedy podcast where I sit down with my dad as we try to bridge the intergenerational gap. This week on the podcast, once again, my dad tries to dissuade me and Chris from taking drugs. I don't know how well he's doing, if I'm honest, because all this talk of microdosing has us curious. We also hear a story about why he has a fond memory of peppermint sweets. Could it be something to do with his mum? All I'm saying is that she does get a look in this week in a very peculiar way. So on that, let's get back to it. So, you know, I tell you something that when I was, uh, you know, doing a bit of research on this, you talk about influence. If you read or you find out about the history, certainly of most, a lot of bands in the 70s, 80s and 90s, what crossed my mind was, you know, I've just been talking about privilege, how, how you know, a lot, a lot of influences basically come from a very privileged background. And the reason they're able to do it is because they don't really have to have a day job. Are you with me? Yeah. Um, to me, this is a kind of, kind of controversial view. I sometimes think that uh, in this country, the doll was the greatest cultural enabler. <laughs> you, think... you, you go right up to Oasis and you, you, you listen to them talking about how they you know, gradually built up their act. A lot of it was kind of going on the doll. I always think of the quote from Widnell and I, that Widnell says to Monty, something about like, oh, all, all the good actors are going on mm. dolls, mm. something like that. I mean, you know, as we're talking about the 70s and 80s, another, if you want, cultural enabler. Uh, I was watching a documentary a few weeks ago, Boy George and all that kind of that kind of era. They lived in squats. So you had being on the doll, living in a squat. Ditto, Debbie Harry, Blondie, people like that. I mean, it's a very, very, very different world uh, you know, musically, pop-wise, than you see now, isn't it? You know, you look at you look at the background of somebody like Lady Gaga or whatever. Or I, I was called a Billie Eilish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you call her Eilish? That's the name. Isn't I think that's. I always get yeah, told off. I probably, I'd probably called a Billie Eilish or something. Yeah, yeah. In, I mean, that they they all they all come from quite well here yeah. backgrounds, don't they? And uh, you know, but uh, so I've got it. I've got to tell you. You know, we're talking about. The pure stupidity of drug taking. That's that's what I really want to hammer home to you. I mean, if you get a picture of me now standing there in, in my loon pants and my tie dye vest, do you know what tie dye looks like? Yes, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, I di- I don't think I dwelt much on the actual physical lift off of taking something like acid. I you know I I would like to put you off. Um, I did I did find. Uh, an old diary extract the other day. Uh, so there you are. I've got a tightness in my jaw. Try and, try and figure this. I've got my pupils are dilating. My heart's racing. I'm tingling all over in anticipation. My senses suddenly seem raised. I'm like a barking whippet at the starting <laughs> gate. Yeah, they had dog racing in those days. Hi, this is another sex chat. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, what, what it's called nowadays is HPP. You know, it's not a sexually transmitted disease. It's a hyper-persisting perceptive disorder. HPP, <laughs> here we come. Then, then the sensation grows stronger and it becomes a whole body experience. I'm rolling the dice or we're rolling the dice. We're chancing, we're chancing that we might briefly dent our identities, even though we know we're risking our sanity by swallowing some suspect chemical. 
from some dude in Wolverhampton <laughs> or whatever, you know, chancing the horrors, hoping for a mellow, steady come down. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a kind of conflation of, of, a, of a note I, I would have made, um, you know, almost 50 years ago. Um, but what's really fascinated me, you know, I've got this thing about guys from the Midlands, a uh, little, little plug here. This is um, an autobiography of Julian Cope. And Julian Cope, if, if you go back a couple of podcasts, was the lead singer with a band called Teardrop Explode. So you're talking well into the 1980s. Midlands lad. And I've also, what I want you to do is I want you to get this idea of Julian. There aren't too there are pictures of him in here, but he was a kind of lanky, long-haired Midlands lad. I'll show it you later. And up there, if this takes you back to one of the very, very early podcasts where I told you how I spent a lot of my childhood. Yeah. yeah? So the image is, is a guy in short trousers, a fair eye sweater, holding a dustbin lid in one hand. And in the other hand, because that's quite... Do you, you know what? That's advertising a film called Belfast. Oh, yeah. yeah which yeah, is... Uh, what's his name? So Kenneth, Ken, Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. I mean, Kenneth Branagh uh, obviously was around in 1970, I mm. guess. He would have been living in Belfast. And uh, that's, I guess, an image from one of the Belfast streets. So you get this image of how I spent my time throwing stuff from a pile of rubble at other kids who also had dustbin lids as shields. This is the late 80s. Mrs. Julian Cope from the Teardrop Explodes. I'm just getting, I'm just, I'm just weaving this theme of some things don't change. Page 192. A few days later, we were all tripping on LSD. It got so boring making the album. Gary and I were playing a game we invented. It's It was called Brick. You stood about 15 feet apart and you tried to knock the other guy out while on acid. Every time I threw a brick, the energy would propel me to the floor and I became like an hysterical slavering dog. It was a very slow game. The acid was quite powerful and it was cut with some weird speed that gave me that druggy feeling that makes your veins feel like a bunch of electrical cables. <laughs> I told you it would put you off. Gary threw his brick two-handed, and I could see the arc of its flight in coloured lights coming towards me. One shot mesmerised me so much I stood there petrified, the brick cutting through the air like a space freighter. It hit me fully in the chest. A shudder echoed through my body, but there was no pain. At that moment on the acid, I was gargantuan, but beautiful and indestructible. Then another guy decided to play brick. <laughs> what a fucking knobhead. So we had this really cool, elegant scene going, like croquet. And then this maniac starts on us. He threw a brick, a brick and it missed me by inches. Then his next brick missed Gary by inches. And out of nowhere, his third brick hit Gary full on the side of his head. And Gary was lying there, laughing, blood pouring down his head. And I rushed to help. Bloody hell, I was so hungry. You're fucking dead, Balfi, I screamed. <laughs> I ran to the cupboard under the stairs and grabbed the shotgun. <laughs> hey. That escalated quickly. Hey. Yeah. I tell you. So, you know, more or less 20 years later, yeah, you remember with Barney, we had the, the gun episode and the acid episode. So, guys, I'm, I'm speculating with you here. Some things changed. Yeah, some, some things don't. Um, the, other, the other kind of aspect of this, uh, if you read through that book, I mean, they were lucky enough to uh, 
briefly at the big time and they, they even I wouldn't say it was a big time but they had a great time in, in the States and uh, he describes on quite a few occasions one of, one of your big fears back in those days was losing your stash do you understand the idea of a stash? Yeah, you collect yeah, your little drugs. your little cache of uh, and um, I mean Russell knows. I'm almost ashamed to admit it. It shows what I think I should even disclose this, Russell. I think it's an interesting story. I mean, my my, my mother was so lax. I, I'd have a little uh, wrap of maybe fifty tabs of acid, and I, I'd say to her. I'm just putting this in the fridge, Mum. Make sure you don't touch it. Yeah. Makes me think what our yeah. mum's would have done. Yeah. Don't touch that blue stuff, Mum, whatever you do. And she says, all right, love, OK. Do you want some beans on toast? It was like that, yeah. That's actually what she said when I came back from Kathmandu. Yeah, that's right. After, just... after, after slogging, you know, you're all right, love. Do you want something to eat? You know, a spam sandwich or something. Yeah. How was it? Was it okay? Yeah, you know I mean, it was. You know, it was That's uh, always sick for me because imagine if we did that, our parents would want to sell us down, go for all the photos. Yeah. What yeah. did you do? What did you eat? Yeah. yeah. A big thing was obviously if you were stoned um, and you you wanted to hide the stuff, particularly if you knew the you know the police were active shall we say i remember what i did a couple of times and barney did we we had this brilliant idea of well we won't bother putting it in the house we'll keep it outdoors mm. so going out stoned we, we'd find a bush in the garden then we get a piece of paper and draw a little diagram <laughs> with an instruction on the bottom which would say something like up the trunk fourth branch on the left <laughs> 18th twig on the right. Are you with me? Yeah. And then we'd, we'd get some sellotape and tape it onto the bush. And uh, the number of times we lost stuff like that. But that <laughs> yeah. guy did exactly, exactly the same. The, the other thing uh, that's... Talk about cheap thrills, I, I remember. You know how um, nowadays you have these really um, you know, complex light shows and stuff. And, you know, these big mega discos in places another delight on acid you're not going to believe this this is a little piece of folk history it's so anti the environment you wouldn't believe it what people would do is in your little flat or bed sit at night if you were taking acid one of the little treats was you get do you know when you get dry cleaning you get those long plastic bags yeah yeah, yeah? Can you guess what we used? No, we didn't use to put them over our faces and kind of go, that, go that for was, that, that kind of semi-asphyxiated sex kind of thing and hang, hang ourselves up in Yeah, auto-erotic. You, you've got it. Yeah, what, what people used to do, I mean, geez, they used to um, get the dry cleaning bag because they're obviously uh, we're a metre mm. long, aren't they? And twist it, twist it very, very, very tightly and then attach one end of it to the light Using a coat hanger. Yeah. And you can guess what happens next, can't you? Light it on fire. Then you'd set it, set it alight, and you'd sit there. And it's quite, we'll have to try it sometime. <laughs> yeah. we have to try it. Uh, I wouldn't try it in the house. <laughs> and what, what happens is, it's like, um, you have know, lava lamps. Lava lamps yeah. were very popular. What happens is, it doesn't set on fire. It actually burns really slowly. And in a completely darkened room, you get little droplets coming, you know, they fell into a little ball of water. I mean, they, I can remember the sound they made. Now they go, zip, 
zip, zip, like that. And you sit there for 20 minutes, I kid you not, watching a dry cleaning bag. Is that the sound they actually made? Or yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's the sound they made. I mean, if you want some time, we can, we can try I, I, it. I, don't wanna, I mean, it would make an amazing TikTok. We can, we, can, we can try it outdoors. Another one I remember um, was um, when you purchased uh, acid. Uh, it eventually became what would be called a microdose. Mm. So it came in, uh, I've told you before, you know, you know, Tic Tacs. It was, yeah. you're talking really small cube, a really small cube. You know, you could have a hundred of them. On the screen of that phone, you could probably fit 200 of them. So you're talking very tiny and, and very, very powerful. But uh, pre the micro dot, uh, this stuff was dropped onto anything that came to hand. And um, I remember with Barney once, we went to Coventry. I think it was Coventry. And we, we had these um, tabs of acid and they were on like lozenges. You know, not really big lozenges, but they were round. And they'd been mixed with peppermint oil, would you believe? So when, when we got in the car, the <laughs> peppermint oil smell was really, really powerful. Really powerful. And you can guess what's going to happen, can't you? We, uh, well, I know the tale. Yeah, you can guess what's going to happen. We were coming back from Coventry, and John was probably driving quite erratically. And they, we were actually picked up by the police. Yeah, we were actually picked up by the police. Now, back, back in the day, the cars weren't particularly sophisticated, so there weren't many places you, you could hide something. But we'd, I think we'd stuck it behind the steering wheel, and... Um, but when we were being flagged down, we kind of thought to ourselves, oh my God, you know, why would two young guys be driving around in a car stinking of peppermint, yeah? So what we what we did, we took our jitan out, remember those really fragrant French ciggies? And then we, we had a couple of these uh, peppermint lozenges uh, in our pocket and we, we both had started chewing one of these peppermint lozenges and smoking the jitter, yeah? And I remember the police, uh, they didn't search the car fully, but you can imagine we were sitting there, you know, making yeah. a really big thing of the peppermints and a really big thing of, of the fags, and we, we actually got away with it. But the problem was, Andy disputes this, but I, I, I can assure you it was true, the problem was we had to drive about another... I don't know, 20 miles or whatever. And something like acid, depending on, on the mix, starts taking effect. You with me? Mm. And we, we had to swallow probably a couple of these bloody tablets. Oh so, so we were thinking, oh my God. Because powerful acid, I mean, as you know from pre... Although it wasn't acid, as you know from previous conversations about travelling through Pakistan and places like that, I mean, to see pterodactyls or elephants at yeah. the side of the road, or God forbid zombies, you know, wouldn't be that unusual. And to suddenly see the steering wheel in front of you turn into two bananas or, or whatever, or, or the dashboard to turn into chocolate wouldn't be... You know what I'm saying? It's And, and everything would be flashing. And uh, But we did make it. Um, so say if the police did find it, would you have faced jail time? Definitely not. That's an interesting one. Like, um, would it have been a slap on the wrist, depending on the copper? No, or... no, 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 no. I think it would have been jail time. Huh. 
I think it, I think it would. Yeah, because um, I think even if you had one or two, you you might at that point in history have been in trouble. I mean, I was kind of hoping the policeman would take one. You know, think it was just a peppermint yeah. tree. Yeah, now that that would that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Jesus, I mean, so the other thing um, I, I was you know going to give a brief heads up to is um, the activities that went on when you couldn't get anything you know when you couldn't get any acid or dope or whatever and um, I was telling Russell Chris um, this is a nice link in actually to to modern phenomenon Um, I remember one particular nefarious day nobody had anything to smoke or nobody had anything to ingest and um, somebody had been looking through their dad's nature books something like that and they saw two articles one was about fly agaric you know the classic red and white mushrooms yeah. with the dots on fly agaric yeah. and uh, and the other one was um in this country it's called thorn apple a couple of weeks ago and i well before christmas i actually had the book out thorn apple amazingly uh, does grow in this country under certain conditions but in the states i think they know it as uh jimson weed or or datura stuff like that and uh because we got very excited it's like do you know the just william books yeah. just william yeah. yeah it's like a kind of bizarre just william scenario it's uh hey chaps <laughs> you know i've just looked in my old man's uh gardening book and there's a couple of really interesting ideas here how about if we go down the chase you know what i mean yeah. so we all buggered off as a massive area of of forestry uh, between where I lived and Birmingham, you know, he's talking, you could walk for hours over it. And we, and we all dutifully went off searching you know, what is now called foraging. You know what I'm saying? We went foraging for these two products in particular. But what was amazing, I'm, I'm not making this up, by the way, because I try to be truthful every time I talk to you. What was amazing? I've walked those woods many, many times, and I, 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 I don't recall ever really seeing either of these two things. But it was as if they were calling you. You with me? Yeah. It was, it was as if they were, we're here, we're <laughs> here, come and take us. And um, we, we managed to um, get these mushrooms, and uh, we also managed to get some thorn apple that was a bit more, because it literally has little, like, conkers on it uh, in season. This must have been September. And then uh, it, it's a bit of a damn squid, this story, because we, 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 we dutifully, it's like male bravado, we got this stuff. You know George's Marvelous Medicine? We took it yeah. back to the flat and we got a big pan and we uh, mixed it all up and then heated it up into a kind of soup. And then we persuaded one of the girls probably to remove her tights. And then we then we sieved it. So you had this evil looking liquid um, that probably would have killed us. And uh, I have to say that nobody took it. <laughs> nobody. One brash friend. No, nobody it. dared take it because that, that could definitely have been um, the end of somebody. There's, there's, no, there's no question. Like even if it was a small amount. I think so, yeah. I mean, you, you check these things out. I mean, um, very, very ty- every part of these plants is, is toxic. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's quite interesting. Uh, 
because when, you know when I'm doing these uh, podcasts, uh, I, I do a little bit of research. Ollie always laughs at me because he thinks my research is crap. But um, one theory, you know, the fly agaric mushroom, the, the look of it. I mean, one theory apparently there's tradition, surround, you know, folklore thing that uh, that's where the Santa Claus and flying reindeer come from. Never heard that one before. You with me? You know, flying, flying reindeer. I mean, where would you get the idea of flying reindeer from? It's uh, it's quite it's quite freaky, isn't it? Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard that one. It's quite it's quite acidy. But I I mean, looking at it, uh, because when you dig down deep into these things, as you well know, I mean, I I don't have a dark web or anything, but you can find some really weird sites, can't you? Particularly around drugs, if you're into it, Um, and the general. Feeling was, you know, oh, there's some fly agaric growing in in a wood near me. Should I take it? And uh, the general consensus is, um, don't. Most people take it and don't take it again. The experience isn't particularly insightful or enjoyable. And I found it a bit scary. Yeah. And um, it's a bit like the uh, thorn apple. If you bother to look, uh, if you get books, say American history. You know, there's quite a lot of uh, reportage around early American settlers you know, eating or consuming maybe accidentally this jimson weed, this datura. And uh, there's really, it's really quite, quite amusing in a way. You know, these stories where people run around like monkeys or start taking their trousers, all that kind of stuff. You know, really weird behaviour. And I, I think, I, I would suspect, but a lot of this uh, accidental drug-taking, ingesting these hallucinogens, is how you might account for witchcraft yeah. and how you might yeah. account for witch trials and so on and so forth. Because back in the day, uh, you know, people, you know, not necessarily um, you know, out-of-the-ordinary people, would take these things, wouldn't they? Now, the folklore around medicine is, is very, very, very strong. Uh, you know, going a bit deeper, uh, fly agaric apparently is what's called a deliriant. In other words, if you take too much, it makes you delirious. It's, it's difficult to know. And this is a game we could have a whole series of podcasts. It's difficult to know for sure what's real and what's a dream, linking in with the metaverse stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Because yeah. I've, I've got a lot of stuff on the shelves there around psychology. And, uh, you know, our, our knowledge of, of consciousness, you know, how an organic lump like your brain can create thought. It, it's, it is quite compelling, isn't it? Um, well, it's very basic. I think about dreams. Sure. You yeah. Know, like how yeah. you can have a dream where someone's in it and you don't know if that person, you, yeah, you could have passed them in the street and yeah. your brain's clocked it or if you've completely thought up this complete person that you're interacting I with. I think the theory on people you meet in dreams is always people you've met or passed or seen them. You've always seen them. I tell you, I tell you what's really interesting. You might want to cut this one out. I don't know. Um, I, as you know, grew up in uh, a pretty, for the time, multicultural community. But what I'm finding now is when I dream, I have quite a lot of people of colour in my dreams. Which is, do you find that? You're keeping mum on this one, aren't you? It's uh, you know, you know how you know how on TV now. Uh, probably if you go back a decade. Particularly, take you take the adverts. Mm. Most of the adverts would 
typically show uh, a traditional nuclear family, wouldn't it? You know, mum, dad and two kids. And they generally would be white and probably middle class as well, whereas now it's very different. And I'm just wondering, I'm only speculating here, if in my dream world I'm kind of, I'm, I've kind of gone woke. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. This isn't interesting. I've never really thought about that before. No, I haven't really thought about that. I feel like I always have a good mix. But then, like I said, I can't... Because as soon as you wake up, you're like, oh... I need to remember that. And then you wake up again and you're like, can't remember a thing. Just to tell you, you know, for God's sake, don't do it. I mean, thank God that, you know, you two have been very sensible in your life. Because I I think the shit that's out there now is infinitely more damaging than the stuff I, you know, we were attracted to. Um, But um, on one of the sites I went out to... um, it was talking about these um, found hallucinogenic things, you know, like magic mushrooms is another one. We talked about that before. You may freak out and you may face legitimate physical harm or you might get, get a feeling of uh, euphoria and some deep connection with the universe. So, you, you know, you kind of pays your money and takes your chances, don't you? In, in trying to be helpful, one of the sites I went on to, it said, you know, don't forget kids when you take this stuff. Because you you are in a kind of learning environment now where people love acronyms, don't they? You know, acronyms. And the acronym this guy came up with was Think Sludge. Think Sludge. So S, when you take these drugs, S is intense salivation. Yeah, so you start drooling, that's true. The L is lacrimation. You'll start crying. Have you got a picture here? Yeah. So you're somebody who's drooling, crying. You, you've guessed it, is urination. You might piss yourself. D, you've guessed it, is defecation. Defecation. The G is gastrointestinal distress. That's Uh, similar. I'd put that under defecation. That's your your tummy. And the E is emesis, which is being sick, taking an emetic. Yeah. Oh, you get dehydrated so quickly. And, uh, yeah, because what really interests me, we haven't got time tonight, but I, I, as a matter of course, if I see anything in a newspaper or magazine relating to the ingestion of psychotropic, you know, hallucinogenic substances, I cut it out. Um, I mean. I've got this here. These are recent, very recent articles from Colour Supplements. Number one, LSD is the purest, cleanest drug of all. Amanda Fielding, Countess of Wemyss and March, has made it her life's mission to promote the health benefits of psychedelic substances. As a younger person, she went so far as to drill a hole in her own head. And she's got deep love for a pet pigeon. I kid you not, I can even show a picture of that person. She's really big in this field. I mean, that makes LSD seem appealing, doesn't yeah, it? Drill yeah. a hole in your head. Yeah. yeah. A pet pigeon. Then you've got How I Blew My Mind in kind of foot high capitals. Unable to travel during lockdown, Michael Pollan, 66, took a mescaline trip. Now he thinks we could all do with a psychedelic vacation. <laughs> yeah. So forget Carnarvon. Yeah. yeah, forget Edinburgh. Go down the local chemist and get some some mescaline. Um, 
This is from the problem page of the Times. How mushroom therapy rebooted our marriage. Oh. Eh? The latest kind of relationship counselling involves taking hallucinogenics. Could it help this couple's 25-year marriage? Then the lady says, well, they both said, we looked into each other with new eyes. Oh. Eh? So it, it's coming back. I mean, one thing that struck me when I was reading that sludge acronym is articles that I do have, but I, I won't bother showing you tonight. You've got these kids. Well, they're not kids. They've got the money to actually go to South America. And the big thing, I think I might be pronouncing it wrongly, is Ayushka. Yeah. And they, they go into these remote tribal regions and they meet up with a shaman, you know, a holy man, a magician. I think a lot of them are fakes. And uh, when you read reports... There are reports, by the way, of kind of sexual assault, but I won't, I won't go into that because I'm sure nine out of ten of these experiences are brilliant. But when I read these reports, sludge is very prominent. You know, the medicine man came into our bivouac and we hadn't been given anything to eat for three days. And then we took the hallucinogen. And next minute, you're outside in the jungle spewing and shitting yourself. And you're thinking... Yes, all the toxin. And, you, and you're thinking, wow. I mean, I know there's this kind of eternal human desire for transcendence, transcendence, but is it worth it? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm not sure if it's linked, but a few artists I follow have done a thing. I think it's called Ego Death. Wow. Where you kind of go into... You know, you go see a shaman. You go into a trance-like state. And one artist I remember talking about it, he said he like bridged the gap of the universe. Wow. Where he was literally floating in front of this ethereal being. Wow, great stuff. And he had the book of him. And this ethereal being was like, why, why are you nervous about all this? And he was ripping out pages. Mm-hmm. And then people do it because they say they come around. And let's say, Chris, you were afraid of flying. Like after it, you're like, yeah, why am I afraid of flying? Like, yeah, you're completely rewritten as a person. Wow. I mean, that's why it's called an ego death, because everything that's problematic to you just gets wiped away. Well, there you have it, guys. That's the kind of contemporary account of somebody mm. you've met in a pub. That's, re- that's really, really fascinating. So I was reading some stuff about Alistair Crowley, and he had a similar experience, except he met in that kind of other world an Egyptian god. And the Egyptian god took him over and gave him instructions from another world. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? This stuff is never going to go away, is it? I mean, with the rise of anxiety, is it going to be the new therapy? Well, well, there's no... I don't think I've got time to talk about it tonight, but seriously, I mean, I'm a, you know, a boring man in late middle age. I listen to a lot of Radio 4 and 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. I'm turning the radio on and it's about the potential you know, both economically and uh, medicinally, the potential of fungi. There's a programme about fungi. And how, that's why it's interesting talking about this tonight, how the reason why there has been such fear and trepidation and loathing and distaste over this kind of stuff is because of what happened in the 60s and 70s. It's been uh, taboo. for so long but what's being realized now dare i say it even by the big pharma companies is there's a massive potential and if you look at psilocybin which isn't hallucinogenic it 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 can it won't cure 
but it will alleviate depression. It will very much help people with alcoholism. It will, uh, you know, mediate schizophrenia. You know, the claims for it uh, are, are really, really quite astonishing. But th- that, there you go. I mean, there's a big movement in America for microdosing yeah. LSD for anxiety yeah. and depression. Yeah, yeah. And well, you you've been over there. Yeah. You you spend quite a lot of time there. I mean, did you did did you speak to anybody who uh, tried microdosing? Uh, yes. Did you? Yes. And what did they say? Did it help them or was it just a bit of I think a... it did help. Um, well, were, were they doing it for medical reasons or was it just um, in with... Uh... I think there's, there's massive... Um, there is massive benefits to it apparently for anxiety. And I mean, I, I, I can see it because I know it's completely different but I always link it to when you feel drunk. Yeah. I, like, I remember talking to a girl in work and she was like, I kind of wish I was drunk in work. <laughs> because yeah. she's yeah. ten times more confident. Yeah. I wouldn't say... Yeah, I, know, I know where she's coming from. I wouldn't say drunk. I'd say tipsy. Yeah, you know where you've kind of that lost a bit that Where you're not, like, completely wasted, but you, you've got that extra confidence. Yeah. I remember I'm the same, you know. A few drinks in me. I'll talk yeah. about anything. But sober, if I'm in a big group of people, I don't really know. I won't say a word. That's... Uh, that is interesting isn't it because um clearly it, it, again you're talking about the brain here can't you? you you know people understand that if you can uh, ingest certain substances you will le- reach a point at which you feel more comfortable with yourself well my favorite historical fact is that's how the vikings did their, their politics they get completely wasted so you know you're more open mm. to discuss things mm-hmm. and then the morning afterwards they talk about it seriously because it's just kind of like everything's already been out on the table that's interesting it, it, I knew that. yeah but i feel like it is a good way to have a discussion with someone that's interesting so get completely smashed yeah. and then enter that kind of other realm yeah and then you'll be more open and then of course the next day everything's already been said so you can't go back on it because it's just like well last night you were saying this it's mm. clearly or yeah because you always get more open yeah yeah you say something like you drunk self as your real self because just on a talking about the holy grail because that's what we're talking about here in a way isn't it the holy grail of um moderating or altering one's consciousness so that you are in a state. I mean, you can't be in a state of permanent bliss, can you? That would be quite boring, wouldn't it? You've got to have that yin and yang. Yeah. Um, You'd also become numb to it, wouldn't you? Without question. Yeah, yeah without that question. That would become your normal brain state, so your yeah. brain would alter to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You see, another aspect of this um, is um, every newspaper last week is um, talking about university college students taking modafinil i think is the main drug you what's, know, you, what's that well you can take um a substance that will enhance your brain functioning oh it's like it'll help you revise it'll help you remember what's it what's it called in america i'm not sure i i know someone who took i know what you mean mm. yeah i know someone who took some in similar around his time in university and he said afterwards he found it hard to concentrate without Adderall is what it's called ah, ah right yeah this this I'm afraid is the big problem because um, I'd, I'd like to get on to different eras of, of music you know punk and so on and so forth um, and acid of course 
was behind the whole Manchester scene, mm. except of course it was ecstasy, which is a kind of mixture of acid, acid and speed. But um, if you read uh, accounts of that time, you know where you had this happy smiley and everybody got together and it was really friendly and warm. The kind of not so well known aspect of this is the come down. You know, there, there ain't much out there that you can take that ain't going to have an, a, a kind of possibly quite nasty after effect on you. And that's why you spiral into problems, because obviously if you start taking something that's a stimulant, the stimulant eventually wears off and then you have to take something that will help you moderate that. It's like a downer, uppers and downers and... Uh, you know, take it from me. Some of the come downs can be, particularly depending on your on your biology. You know, I mean, the come down from something like speed and I, I think ecstasy. You know, if you if you have depressive tendencies, for example, I think it can push you over the edge. Well, everyone, we are going to leave it there for now and we will let the pint with Peter come down set in for another week till you can get your next fix. As always, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to join in. Did you enjoy throwing bricks at your friends, either on acid or not? It doesn't matter. Or give us your thoughts on microdosing, new age bullshit or, or new medical wonder. You know how to join in. Either head over to our Twitter at a pint with Peter, or send us an email using a pint with Peter at gmail.com. One last thing if you want to help in growing the podcast, and all you have to do is leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. It takes just a second and it helps us fight that pesky algorithm. Well, everyone, thanks for listening, and on to the next one. <laughs>